Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. The place hits it at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back. This is the Rapid Reaction podcast of talking out loud brought to you by the lions and reynolds team of vic green realty kt i'm so fired up i can't even do the introduction properly the flyers are winners they brought home the abc the arch baron cup stays on edwin c moses boulevard i'm fired up you fired up i am so very grateful to this rivalry this great rivalry because even in what some would say is a lost season in terms of our postseason hopes. Throw uh, away the records when the ABC is played. ABC is its own season within itself. So there's always that saving grace. There's always that pick-me-up that the ABC provides if the season as a whole is already a dumpster fire. Throw away the records when the ABC gets played. I'm Sully. Doesn't matter. We have the Rapid Reaction Podcast just minutes after the Flyers disposed of the St. Louis Billikens 68-63. And we're going to get into it all. We're going to talk about all of it. One of the things we said going into tonight's game was that uh, both teams were going to stay under 70 and it was going to be a defensive battle. The first half really did not play out that way. I think most people, KT, most people, were a little bit surprised at how that first half went. Um, And I say that because St. Louis going into the game was – um, national average at shooting the three. They were bottom 50 in the country at the frequency in which they took three-pointers. So the game plan kind of was, let's keep them out of the paint. Let's force them into some tough three-pointers and let's see what happens. That kind of backfired on the Flyers early. St. Louis started four for four from downtown, five for seven in the first half uh, from three-point land. And that was the bulk of their scoring for the majority of the first half. So, I think they had five in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. I, I was making five a notes threes, Five threes. Yeah, five threes. And it really was like they were five for seven after eight minutes, actually. I wrote that down in my notes folder. Um, and I learned something about my game watching experience tonight, KT. You ready for this? Very ready. So, yeah, I watched the game in my office tonight where I'm recording this episode. Um, and putting aside the fact that I've been sitting in this chair since I started work this morning at 7.30 a.m., I digress. I watched the game on the computer because I got to sit here with my big TV in the office and make gifts as the game was going on. And I'll tell you one thing. 
People fucking love gifts. You right now, if you get to us on Twitter, I know you fucking love a good gift. And Deron Holmes and even Kobe Elvis provided us with some great gift opportunities tonight. So I just wanted everybody to be aware that this was a very optimal watching experience for me. Hey, I, credit, I don't know. Credit where due. Well, I'm happy for you, first of all. You did some, some good work Thank in you. there tonight. Thank you. The crowd and some of the sweaters gave us some gems on the yeah. broadcast tonight. Yeah, the crowd was fired up. Um, but you I'm know, talking going, about gifts. I'm talking about gifts. Those those dudes dancing. Oh, everyone's yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, going into the game, I had put out on Twitter that the demand is has been particularly low for Dayton games over the past two weeks. And I'm not going to backtrack on that statement. It is what it is. When there's you know hundreds of tickets that are available on Ticketmaster leading up to the game, that that's just not typical of UD Arena and, and Dayton basketball. Um, but the people that were there were loud. The student section was filled up. The people that were actually in the building uh, made it a great experience. And frankly, I mean, it was a great experience because the team plays well. If you want to talk about the weather, the cold weather, COVID, whatever, if Dayton's winning, the building's going to be full. And as much as we want to blame you know, coronavirus for keeping people away from the arena, if Dayton was 15-0, and 0, no one would give a rat's ass about coronavirus and going to the arena. Let's just call it what it is. So putting that aside, the crowd that was in the building was fantastic. Um, it was loud, and especially in that stretch that was leading up to halftime, KT, uh, Dayton goes on a huge run, 16-2 to run, leading them into the two-minute mark uh, right before halftime. It took a 10-point lead into the half, and dare I say, that stretch before the halftime break that was probably the best stretch of basketball that Dayton has played to this point in the season. Yeah, and I told you before we got on the microphone here what that stretch did to me. I tell, started tell th- everybody, tell everybody I what did. I started thinking about that damn tournament. <laughs> <laughs> They're giving you hope. Don't do I, that to me. And Don't. I, I've been very harsh on this team since the jump this season, um, and it was rightfully so when it was yeah. happening. But I got to say, man, I know we haven't seen all the teams. I know the A-10 is a dumpster fire, as it's been the last few years overall. I don't know. Did Bonnie's lose? I haven't looked at the score in the last two minutes. Yeah, we're recording live here on Tuesday night. They lost Um, to LaSalle, or about to. Bonaventure took LaSalle to overtime in Tom Gola Arena, and they escaped. Thank God. everybody can escape from Tom Gola Arena, as we know, but the Bonnie's did escape. That'd be 80 to 76. All right, good. So there's that. But I'm thinking... We have just as good a chance with what we're seeing in the first couple of weeks here against any other team in this A-10 come A-10 tournament time. Yeah, you know, way too can... early, way <laughs> too early. <laughs> I, I Trust me, I know. It's just that natural sick tendency that we all have for this godforsaken team to do things like that when we know there's no other way to, to get into the, the postseason. But I know, long way to go. We're like a few games in. You know, you're a Browns fan. You guys are all about hope. That's oh. your thing. You know, oh. it's just about hope. And I get it. I get it. Um, before we get into the game, dissecting it a little bit further, I am going to hit you with some trivia, KT. So hit the music. Uh, my trivia has to do with the last 16 meetings from the Dayton Flyers and the St. Louis Billikens in the Arch Baron Cup. This is dating all the way back to the 2014 season and the win that Dayton pulled off, if you remember, against a ranked St. Louis team on senior night to catapult them into uh, the at-large discussion for the NCAA tournament in 2014 and then, of course, go on to the Elite Eight run. So 
Dayton had a three-game losing streak to St. Louis going into that game. Since that time, the Arch Baron Cup has now played 17 meetings, including tonight. How many of those 17 meetings since the 2014 game has Dayton won? I'm going to go lucky number 13. You are close. It was 13 before tonight, and Dayton won their 14th out of 17 against the Billikens. The Flyers absolutely own the Arch Baron Cup rivalry right now. 14 out of the last 17. St. Louis uh, only winners of three. Two of those were in St. Louis. One of those at home. uh, uh, Sorry. One of those was at UD Arena. Um, So the home winning streak is now five games for the Dayton Flyers and overall in the series. Um, it, it's, it's been, it's been a long time, five overall in the series, eight straight at home for the Dayton Flyers, eight straight at home. The last time the Billikens bested the Flyers at UD arena was actually my senior year, 2011. It's been quite some time. Uh, you got to wonder if Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens just isn't instilling the importance and significance of this rivalry in his team, in that organization, because Wait, it doesn't feel that way. It, I mean, this is getting to starting to be some, I know they just beat us, but some Ohio state, Michigan football, like you got to make this a rivalry again. guys. <clears throat> Come on, help us out. Also, we spoiled his, what would have been his hundredth win as St. Louis coach tonight. So is that right? we did that we did. I, I must've missed that graphic on CBS sports. Nonetheless, um, <clears throat> this was a fun one tonight. This was, and I mean, if you're listening to the show right now, after, uh, we just got done watching, uh, th- this really was fun. I mean, I had a good time watching the game. It felt like all of the good parts of Dayton kind of showed their face and minimal parts of the bullshit that we've been talking about for the last two months surfaced, right? Like Dayton did turn the ball over, but not in bunches. They turned the ball over 12 times. That's a very acceptable number. Um, they they didn't really get into foul trouble. They shared the ball very well. They shot the ball a little bit more effectively from downtown, not so much from close range. Um, and, and I can't say they were able to put St. Louis away effectively, but they got up enough that it didn't really matter. And, and this team has struggled all year in, in putting their foot down on the gas um, and really putting teams away when they need to be put away. Tonight was really no different. Um, I thought, you know, that, that Dayton probably could have put things into cruise control and won this game by double digits fairly easily. But credit Slew on the other end. I mean, they didn't give up. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Slew fought to the bitter end. Gibson Jimerson finished with 23. Sounds like a lacrosse player, doesn't it? Straight and up. then um, hey, uh, that, Hargrove. That white boy is talented. Yeah, he is. He can wow. shoot the ball. He, that he guy is his handles eight too. 14 from the field. Yeah, Got some handles on play. Him. He can play Um, St. Louis. What, you know, one of the things that I thought was a little bit different about the way that they attacked um, Dayton tonight was that they pretty much stuck with five guys. Um, I guess, you know, going down Fred Thatch Jr. played 26 minutes. You can say they went with six guys, but the bench was thin tonight. Um, Outside of those top six guys, there was only 11 minutes for the rest of the roster. So that was kind of what they went with. You know, it was Hargrove, Jimerson, Okoro down low. And then um, the only reason that Thatch played as many minutes as he did was because in the second half, Yuri Collins got into some foul trouble and and he was riding the pine for a few minutes down the stretch. So um, the one thing that I will say is that Dayton defensively is 
they're showing their face right now as one of the better defensive teams in the conference. Now, it's tough to say that because, as we all know, and we just ran up against uh, last week, VCU is playing defense um, at an exceptional level right now. They're the third most efficient defense in the entire country. But Dayton's defensive rating just keeps creeping up. And after this game, it's going to be top 80 in the country after it was well above 100 when they lost the Lipscomb and Austin P. <laughs> and, and, oh, and, and UMass, UMass yeah, Lowell. I, yeah, I know. I was going to just like go the on, Holy Trinity, but, the but Holy I have Trinity. to say all three and, and just make respect to that. Um, but again, like for Dayton to be successful, right? They had to clean up three different areas. They have to clean up the turnovers. They have to shoot the three better, right? And then they have to stop committing unforced errors. I know that's that's kind of one and the same with turnovers, but not turning the ball over and not committing unforced errors really are two different things because we saw it again tonight. Um, Elijah Weaver, you know, stepped out of bounds one time, a lot of traveling calls. Um, those areas need cleaned up, and I thought that Dayton did enough cleaning up tonight um, to get the win. But the longer point that I'm making right now is that this team – their identity is becoming clear, KT, is that we're going to win games with defense. And if they're hitting shots from the outside, they're going to be a tough team to beat in A-10 play moving forward. Absolutely. And you hit the nails on the head there. And I agree that there wasn't really one glaring thing that they were out of sync on tonight. The only thing I was kind of moaning and groaning about on my couch was our free throws again. Um, oh, I think we missed nine. We shot sixty-five percent from the free throw line. I think our season average is like seventy-ish. So obviously, plenty of work to do there. But yeah, man, that press D can give any team a fit. And when you got Duran and that height, and then yet you said it. If we just could start getting some shots, I mean, yeah, th this defensive identity that. You know, we always kind of thought and hope was there, but now that coming to the forefront and that being our, our calling card here, I'm ready to go wreck this A-10. Why not? We're playing with house us? money. Why not? <laughs> we were here, you know, laughing about losses just a week ago, and now we're back to why not us? Why not us, Flyers? Not even that, because I'm not, like, I'm not a, a flip-flop, a wishy-washy here, but again, our season was already written after those three god-awful games that we started with. You know, we're kind of playing from behind. If we could pull out this defense that seemingly came out of nowhere, that's something to watch. I said, I mean, I'm excited to see how much better that can. And we're only a few games into the conference play. Like that can yep. only go up, knock out wood. Yep. And you are, uh, you're absolutely right. Flyers improved to 10 and 6 on the year, 2 and 1 in the conference. Lone loss being, of course, to VCU last Wednesday night. And, um, <clears throat> The Flyers have a date with Duquesne coming up on Saturday afternoon. That is in Pittsburgh against Duquesne. And game time for that one is going to be 1230. That's an early one for us here in Central Time, 1130 Central. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you invite some friends over for breakfast. But, you know, we started the game tonight, so we'll, we'll kind of walk through it for you guys. Again, this is the Rapid Reaction Dayton, a winner, 68-63 against SLU. Great Arch Baron Cup win, fifth in a row for Dayton in the series, eighth straight at home. But um, you brought up a point on the press. So when the game started, <clears throat> Dayton was pressing pretty much from the jump, and they were forcing turnovers. But on the flip-flop, 
they were leaving guys open for threes, and that was kind of one of the reasons why St. Louis started the game shooting five for seven from deep, right? Like, you can credit them if you want, but, you know, when shots are open, they have a higher likelihood of going in, right? So I agree. I so I started, I asked myself in the early goings, like, is it worth it to run the press if we're going to force turnovers, but we're still going to leave guys open? And, you know, what I came up with was was like, uh, well, let's just see how it plays out. And I'm glad I, I kind of had some patience with that mindset, because just like you said, they started to, to keep the pressure into the late first half, second half, and they continued to force turnovers. I think this is one of maybe second or third game all season where Dayton's won the turnover battle. Dayton turns the ball over 12 times. St. Louis turns the ball over 15. Rebounding numbers, Dayton 34, St. Louis 28. Dayton 7 for 16 from downtown. St. Louis 9 for 16. So I think every game we're going to start to look at those three factors. Did Dayton win the rebounding battle? Did they win the turnover battle? Did they win the three-point battle? You know, and battle, I mean, just shooting a higher percentage. Tonight, they didn't shoot a higher percentage, but St. Louis went into the half, I believe, shooting five for seven. And so if you do the quick math, the rest of the game, they were four for nine. I mean, they were hot tonight. It, it is what it is, right? Um, and they were able to overcome that because one of their strengths is the interior defense. We saw that again tonight. Kamara plays great interior defense for all of his struggles offensively, and Holmes is truly disruptive on the defensive end. I was on the Midtown Madness podcast with our St. Louis friends earlier this week, and they asked me what the weakness is in Duran's game. And I said, well, the weakness is still going to be his offense, but if his offense ever catches up to where his defense is, he is truly going to be a scary player. I mean, <clears throat> he has a 10 player of the year type of pedigree of course that assumes that he sticks around in Dayton for a couple more seasons but you know what Duran is able to give us on the defensive end is truly disruptive and you saw that tonight I mean it honestly felt like Duran Holmes had like 10 blocks in this game um and he, he finished the game with five I, I can't even remember the last time a Dayton player had five blocks and and that's I can, that's I can of, remember just how fun this kid is to watch he is. He is. And so we both me and KT had a friend that texted us tonight and asked that, you know, we've had good freshmen come through the program. And he asked us if this is the best duo of freshmen that we've ever had in our lifetime. And my response, KT, is that it's definitely the most productive. What do you say? Absolutely. And shout out ML. Um, I, I was getting a little too over my ski. Maybe I'm not getting too far over my skis. I was sitting there tonight texting some people. I didn't put this out there yet, but I'm going to now. I was even going as far as saying Duran could be, you know, preseason Naismith list in a year or two. Am I getting too crazy? Um, I'm, no, not saying, I'm not saying a lock or he's going to be the – no. But that Chris Wright made it. I mean, the preseason, like, top 25 or whatever to look for – I think he's going to start getting a lot more national recognition if this offense, his offense, you know, picks up a little bit, which I suspect and hope it will. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I, I I try to you know live in the most realistic sense I can for the sake of the podcast, and you're right. I mean, there's there's no real reason to say that he couldn't reach that ceiling. It's just hard because it's like, well, Obi Toppin was like a generational player at Dayton, and that's what it took for him to break through, and. 
frankly, Obi did it because he was able to put together the highlights and he started with offense and then the defense came along after that, right? Duran's the exact opposite. He's a defensive-minded player that's disruptive against the rim and his offense is going to have to meet up with the defense at some point. Whether it does or not will basically determine his ceiling as a player in Dayton. Um, but we did have a couple of tweets come in on that. Trevin Gray said, Deron Holmes is the most important defensive player for the team, and this team is built to play tall teams. You know, I, I do definitely agree with that. Um, and St. Louis isn't a tall team. And so I think that was one of the reasons why we matched up well with them tonight, right? And I think the key to the game, the key to the whole thing that happened tonight was that Mally Smith took Yuri Collins out of the game. And Yuri Collins, for, you know, Dayton fans, he's the – the straw that serves the drink for St. Louis. Um, he's a veteran guy. He's been around. He's seen it all. And he ended the game one for five shooting, four points in 33 minutes. He had five fouls, seven turnovers, and he generated nine assists. But you see it right there, seven turnovers and four points in 33 minutes from your best player. That's going to result in loss more often than not. And that's what I wanted to do, impress on the listeners tonight was that that was the most important part of the game was that they were able to take St. Louis's best player, neutralize him from the point guard position, and just like we said, defense has turned into offense for the Flyers, and, and that's what we love here in the Gem City, do we not? Absolutely, and let me just clarify one more time. I, I would not comparing him to, <clears throat> to the OB brand. I'm not no, saying this no. kid's going to be a – but I'm just saying he's, he's going to – he's knocking on that door, projecting to that level where he's going to start getting some national recognition, and – Mally's right there with them. You know what? I, I got to stop doing that. I don't like Mally. Malachi. <laughs> you don't like Mally? Hits the ear wrong. Huh? No, I just, no, I just, I, if, if we're going to give a nickname for Malachi, it should be Kai. Shout out, say the last dance. But <laughs> anyway, I do agree. They're the most, what do you say? Productive freshman duo we've seen in, in yeah. my lifetime. Um, it's just so fun to watch. Like you don't have to know a whole lot about basketball like me uh, to just watch the Ron and be like, wow. Uh, he's on another level out there against some of these other guys on the other team. Uh, Malachi is not – he doesn't have any of those freshmen um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Tendencies, he Tendencies. Maybe? He's not yeah. scared. Like, yeah, he's not he wants, scared. He yeah. wants that pressure on when he's got the ball. He's like, come on, bring it. I just like that he goes uh, – he's got a motor to him. Um, and I like that what the announcer pointed out today. I don't really know if I uh, – I never really thought about it till tonight. Scucci would try and, uh, you know, put some moves on and get the defender tired, and then he would drive. Malachi just drives. He just goes yeah. right to the hole, and there's no waiting. There's no hesitation. He just goes. Um, so I like that about him too, but he's just not afraid of that on-ball pressure. It's great to see. Yeah, and uh, drilling even further, uh, our, our friend Ghost, shout out, John R. Jr., he said that Grant owns Travis Ford, and um, you know that that actually is becoming a bit of a talking point in the ABC. Um, if you recall, in um, the early annals of the the Grant era, the eighteen nineteen season, um, Travis Ford won the first game of the series at St. Louis, and it, it was it was a bit of an embarrassing game, and then. Um, later on that year, St. Louis beat Dayton in the A-10 tournament. So Grant started his tenure at Dayton against Travis Ford 1-2. And since that time, 
he hasn't lost. The last loss that they have to St. Louis is that A-10 tournament game in 2019, five straight again against the Billikens. So, sure, let's let's, let's start that. They're seeing ghosts. Hey, one more thing I want to tie together, Travis Ford, and what you said about the defense. Uh, When Travis Ford was interviewed about this game, I don't know, yesterday, today, he said that one of the things that stands out to him the most when scouting Dayton is their ability to switch up their defenses on a dime. So I guess, again, one one of the, the the victories we can pull out of this season, hopefully, is that I hope every coach says the same thing coming into play us the rest of the season. Like, man, these guys can switch that defense up whenever they want to adjust to us, and we have to play with that in mind. No? Yeah, and it, it's refreshing to finally have That's a the word. team. That's the word. There you go. It, it is. No, thank you. That's why I have the show, you know. Um, it's refreshing to have two different things. A Dayton team that's focused on defense again because it's been about a decade since that's been truly the focus, right? Um, it, Archie's teams, like they, they were good at defense, but that wasn't their identity. Archie, you know, he, he ran a very entertaining brand of offense for his faults. Um, that's number one. And number two is that this team is a, is a rebounding juggernaut right now. And they're going to continue to win games because of their proficiency on the boards right now, offensive rebounding percentage top 50 in the country. Dayton is getting an offensive rebound on exactly one third of their possessions offensively. Again, good for 49th in the country. And then they are limiting offensive rebounds better uh, better than most in the conference, 63rd in the country. Again, those are just speaking to Kamara and Holmes crashing the boards um, and, and us just having a tenacity on the boards that really hasn't existed in a while. Now, with that said, I wanted to go to something in the first half that I started to uh, play a little bit of devil's advocate for because in nights like tonight, um, Larry and Brooks Hall said it when they jumped on the broadcast tonight on WHIO is that, you know, you never look as bad as as your losses and you never really look as great as your wins. And coming off George Washington, let's just be honest, George Washington stinks. They're a shit team. They got absolutely pounded in their mouth tonight uh, by VCU, almost by the exact same score. So this is some fun. This is some fun facts right here. So Dayton beat George Washington on Saturday, 83-58. VCU beat them tonight, 84-57. to so, hey, so find me one other podcast that brings you fa- facts and info like that. Good facts. Yeah, just straight facts. Um, so in the first half, you know, we're going into the halftime. We're up 10. The arena's bouncing. The roof came off the place, um, you know, it, when Elvis hit the three. Um, they had the lead, I think, as much as 12 in the first half. And, you know, I started to think about all the things that we've said about how this team is going to be productive and and how this team can break out of their funk. And about a month ago, Brooks Hall was on here and and he explained to listeners why Dayton has been in a certain funk offensively that they have. And, And one of the reasons why they started so slow to begin the year is for the simple reason that Anthony Grant runs an NBA-style system that's predicated on movement and being in the right place and not necessarily reacting to the ball. And that takes a lot of time for freshmen to adjust to, right? The problem that we have seen is that because they're freshmen and because this team is just oozing with talent, um, 
it, it seems like fans watching the game are saying, what's the problem? Because we know that there is talent on this roster, right? And then halves like the one tonight happen against St. Louis where they're creating turnovers, they're pushing the pace, they're getting out in fast break, and their defense is turning into offense. And you begin saying to yourself, well, what if we played with this kind of pace all the time? And and that's something that, that I keep going back to as the season goes on is, what if we did play with a little bit more pace? What if Grant was willing to change the system just a little bit because of the personnel? What if Grant was giving guys the freedom to make their own decisions based on what they're seeing? And I know that his system, his free-flowing system, is definitely predicated on that last point there. But I think you can see what I'm getting at. When Dayton pushed the pace on the fast break, when they were aggressive going to the hoop, and then when they couldn't get a shot, they kicked out and took the first look instead of looking for the extra pass, it did bode well for them. Now, it hasn't bode well for them in a couple other games when shots aren't falling, but it it lends me to think, KT, that what if these guys were just given a little bit more freedom to play a little bit more backyard ball, let their talent kind of do the walking for them? Um, because, you know, Dayton turned St. Louis over 15 times tonight. They generated 17 points off those turnovers. And then again, they out-rebounded them. And and I start to think, if we're going to out-rebound teams every night, what if we were more effective getting out in transition? What if we were putting up five or ten more points off of turnovers because we're pushing the pace in the fast break? And um, so, you know, again... It's not that I want to come on and find a negative light to talk about tonight. It just kind of led me to think, well, this maybe is why we have been having problems this year because Dayton needs to get out and and push the pace a little bit harder in transition. No, we're breaking in a new, breaking a new car, new engine, right? Mm -hmm. We're up to this. We want to go to that next gear. Is that next gear here? Are we ready yet? Right? Are we going at the right pace, the right speed to do that? I would love nothing more. I think the only thing that I hesitate there is would Grant trust the youngest team in the country to do that. And my, the reason I I say that is Mm -hmm. there's a couple guys, no names who still love playing hero ball a little too much. (laughs) It's Elijah Weaver. We can say, we can say it on this program. All right. You know, from (laughs) from your, your mouth, not mine, but no, I, I think can, can the system obviously adjust to it? Yes, of course. Do we have players on the team that could do it? Absolutely. I just, I, I hesitate to think that the collective team can, can do that everyone right now because yeah. at the same time too you know if yeah we, but we don't you know Cybert and brian roberts aren't walking through that door you know we don't have any like crazy shooters right now right some guys are starting to flash and whatnot but you know if we speed that up who's gonna be taking those shots yeah for sure um taking a quick pause in the program again we're doing a rapid reaction just minutes after Dayton has beat St. Louis for the Arch Baron Cup 68-63. And I take a quick pause because there's been some wild shit happening in college basketball today, mainly that there were two undefeated teams going into today. KT, do you happen to know who they are for listeners? Uh, Baylor and who am I missing? Zaga got beat already, right? USC. USC. Um, yeah. So Baylor and USC both went into today's slate of games as undefeated. USC at number five, Baylor at number one in the country. And they both went down. As of this recording, Baylor goes down to Texas Tech 65 62 at home. 
and USC goes on the road this afternoon and loses to Stanford 75-69. Doing our A-10 whip around as we often do. There were four games in action tonight in the A-10 conference. Ours, of course, being one of them. Uh, Richmond and George Mason was the one game tonight that was postponed. And the results around the conference, again, we told you earlier on the program, St. Bonaventure falls to LaSalle, 80-76. to VCU takes care of George Washington, 84-57. And Davidson edges one out against UMass, 77-67. Which leads us to a couple of thoughts in the A-10, just right off the bat. St. Bonaventure, first of all, Fucking frauds. What's going frauds. on? What's I'm going to say on? it right now. They're frauds. They took a, a nice long COVID pause and tonight was their first game back. But I'm just I'm ready to call them frauds. All right. That's where I'm at. And if you're listening to the show, hold me accountable. I think they're frauds. Davidson leads the conference. They're three and oh VCU three and oh with their. Sorry, I didn't account their wins tonight. Um, those teams are now four and oh, I guess. Shit. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Ken Palm did count it. They're both three, and oh, sorry. Um, right now at this time of night, in case you're ever wondering, analytics machines are spinning and sometimes the numbers get updated by the time we do the rapid reaction. Sometimes they do not, um, going down through the box score right now, just doing it very quickly. Smith finished with 14 Holmes with 11 Elvis also with 14. Again, the Dayton Flyers shot seven for 16, 43% from downtown. They turned the ball over 12 times, uh, to St. Louis's, 15 and the most glaring stat tonight was not the free throws actually free throws are 17 for 26 65 percent but the one that really got me today kt <clears throat> is that dayton was really putrid inside the arc they were 15 for 34 inside the arc um, and anytime you're under 50 percent it's not indicative of the Dayton teams that we usually watch. And I say that because Anthony Grant teams uh, historically and this season are extremely effective in two point range. Uh, right now, Dayton is shooting 56% from two point range, which is good enough for 15th in the country. And anytime you're below 50%, you're going to be below the national average, which they were tonight. Um, KT, what else do you have to say about this game? It feels good. You know, it feels good to be a winner. And then we get to take this into Pittsburgh. Very winnable game against Duquesne, who, you know, frankly, kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if we're going to have a show between now and then. I might try to get Johnny on to do a little Duquesne preview. But if we don't have a show, I'll just rattle it off. Um, after Saturday, uh, Duquesne plays tomorrow night. Uh, Duquesne 6-7. and seven. They are 1-0 in the conference after beating UMass. But, but frankly, they kind of suck. They've lost to Hofstra, Weber State, Northeastern, Bowling Green, Marshall, DePaul. They're no good. It's a very winnable game for Dayton. It's going to be in the new Cooper Fieldhouse in Pittsburgh. Um, what, what else is there left to say about winning the Arch Baron Cup, man? Just an all-around great win for one of the biggest rivalries in all of sport. I got to give credit where due because I have been – harsh here in the past uh, about Coach Grant. Uh, his his words woke this team up. If tonight's any indication of the team listening to what he said after the last game. Um, it seems like it. Yeah. So I got to give credit where due. I really, really enjoyed <laughs> that quote. For those of you that are unaware of what we're talking about, Grant said, what well, he's like, there's a difference between playing and wanting to win, essentially. Individual accolades and team accolades. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, so it's between just going through the motions and trying to get yours, but you know, actually going out there as a team and winning. Anyway, so that for the last game after the VCU loss, 
and in his post-game interview, and the team heard that. And obviously, I'm sure he said that and some in the locker room, but um, great way to come back after that and rebound in a great Arch Baron Cup. Um, I'll let you do the honors. I don't think we've announced the Harewood uh, Horse Trophy yet. No, we have not. We waited all the way to the end of the program, but the MVP of tonight's game, unanimous decision and historic. for the Harewood Horse and the historic Harewood Horse Trophy. The winner tonight is Mally Smith, 14 points. Started slow, one of seven shooting, and then he went three for three the rest of the way. He had um, eight rebounds, five assists, um, had five turnovers tonight, but you know what? That's going to happen. You shoot a lot of shots, you know, shoot or shoot, as as you say, make a lot of passes, you're going to make a lot of turnovers. When, yeah, when, when you're the only one that we want to have the ball, you're going to turn it over a few times. Um, yeah. No, but when okay. I said historical, I meant it's the first in the history of the rivalry back to what, the 50s. Archbaroncup.com. Yes, that's a website. You can look it up. Please it's look it f- up. It is the first time uh, we have a brother-brother duo that have won the Harewood Horse. That's true. That is very true. MVP Mally Smith tonight. And um, I, I said on Twitter tonight, and Brooks Hall called me out for it, is that I, I really do shudder to think about where this Dayton team would be without the emergence of, of Malachi Smith. Oh, um, God. And, and it's funny because we came into the year thinking about you know, Drawn Holmes is a top 50 recruit. And if you as a fan listening to this think back, um, we were pretty high on Caleb Washington, too, who was a top 100 recruit, which is, you know, fairly unheard of for Dayton fans. And then since Malachi was the first signee in this class and then got overshadowed by those two guys, it, it he really did get kind of pushed to the side. And I remember in the preseason, the prevailing wisdom was that Elijah Weaver was going to run the point. And if he doesn't, well, we got this Kobe Elvis guy, um, you know, Brea played last year. Um, and, and it's very interesting now to kind of look back at that and, and say, where would this team be without Malachi Smith? And um, that answer, thank God, will remain unclear forever um, because he just creates so much on the offensive end and the defensive end. He brings a certain intensity to the defensive end every time down the floor. You can see he's got those active hands. He's fighting for the ball on the floor. And then on offense, you know, he's not afraid to draw contact, slash to the hoop, kick it out. And then you, you saw Duran got at least two easy buckets tonight just from Mally slashing, creating pressure to his side with multiple defenders, and then dishing it underneath to Duran for that flush. Um you know, the, the sky really is the limit for for Mally Smith and Duran as a duo at Dayton. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the roster shakes up after this season is over, because the guys that are behind them on the depth chart are all older. And a lot of them are going to start making business decisions about what's best for their playing time and basketball careers moving forward. Uh, I say real, all, sorry, I was going to give a shout out to Mustafa had a great game tonight. He, he did. Yeah, yeah, he had he had nine points, uh, twenty five minutes. Um, only turned the ball over one time, and, and he was distributing, making the extra pass. He was plus three on the sh- on the sheet. Um, but you're getting into but, my biggest fear are the the potential uh, musical chairs after this season. Yeah, and, and it, again, like after a win like this, I just try to to keep it as even keel as possible. Like, man, it was a great win, and I think this is something to build on for this Flyers team. Um, but by and large, 
this is the future moving forward. And frankly, if you want us to get really blunt about it, Anthony Grant's career is probably going to come down to how productive Mally Smith and Deron Holmes are able to lead the Flyers into the future. All of his chips are going to be in that basket from a coaching future standpoint. Um, and that's just because next year is going to be a year where we have to get back to the tournament. I'm going to you know, flip that switch off real quick. I, I never want to come on here after a great win and talk about next year. But I think you're getting the point is that this is the future um, you know, of the program. And I think if you want to look at how can we be optimistic about what's next, you know, how is Dayton going to win games moving forward and, and what does the future look like? Well, it's going to be based around these two guys and, and what they can do on the floor. So um, tonight, again, great win. We'll wrap it up right there. Uh, we'll get you some final thoughts, but um, it, it's great to come on the mic and have a game like this where Dayton makes it fun again um, because there's going to be a lot of games in A-10 play that are not fun. Um, and there's a certain level of importance to every game when you're in at-large contention. So when you're not in at-large contention like we are right now, you need to find other things that are going to make it enjoyable. And thankfully the boys put together a hell of an effort tonight, making that game enjoyable again, 10 point lead into the half five point lead or sorry, five point win. Um, when it all came down to it, 68, 63, the flyers never seriously threatened after the 16, two run in the first half. And, um, and everybody's happy tonight in the gem city. So KT, I'm going to play one of my favorite songs to take us out, but you need to hit them with some final thoughts before I do. Yeah, again, for the the 20th time, great win, especially in this rivalry. Um, Really excited for, you know, the next few games. I mean, we got to take this one game at a time. And what you said about, you know, not talking about next season. I mean, in all fairness, we've been thinking about next season since the Lipscomb game. (laughs) So it's okay to look big. It's okay to look big picture. But, I mean, you hit it. This is the future. Um, the next few years are going to be completely driven by the development of these younger guys. And if it keeps going, like we've seen these last few weeks, the last couple months with some of these guys, uh, knock on wood, we could be in for, you know, uh, another nice little run here in the near future. Well, let's at least string together a couple of wins, uh, a couple of wins in conference play, you know, let's, let's start there and then, and then we'll, we'll move forward. My last final thought is it it bothers me that the team I really want to see how we match up against the most is Davidson. And that's the last game of the year. I can change this tune next Tuesday. Um, after we play Bonnie's and and a couple other games, but right now I would love to see how we match up against that team, but that's it. Go flyers, arch Baron cup champs. Uh, it's been a long, long winning streak in this rivalry. So thanks everyone for still sticking with it. Um, Archbaroncup.com. Hell yeah. Go to archbaroncup.com to check out the rivalry. That'll do it for the show tonight. Thanks for sticking around for, uh, for KT. I'm Sully. This is a rapid reaction again. Dayton, a winner, 68-63, taking home the Archbaron Cup. I'm going to play it like John Bedell does in WHIO. I hear music in my ears, so that means I got to wrap up the show. And I'm taking you out with the return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. I had to. I'm just feeling myself tonight after Love a great it. Dayton win. We'll see you back here Saturday, Duquesne, 12.30 Eastern tip from the new Cooper Field House in Pittsburgh. And we know there's two rules until next time. You wear red, be loud, and we'll catch you.